You may be seated. Well, praise God. Let's just give a hand clap of praise to the Lord real quick. What an honor it is to be here uh, with the show strands and with uh, CAC here in Newark. It has been a tremendous blessing. Uh, their whole family, the youth, the young adults have been great. Uh, what was especially great was the uh, red team yesterday. We were undefeated in uh, volleyball, so everybody else tried, and I appreciate your participation. Um, but uh, certainly we, we were blessed to be on or I was blessed to be on Red Team. Uh, it was, it's been an excellent weekend, uh, just tremendous uh, blessing to be here. Uh, if you would turn with me, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 22. And after reading there, I'm, I'm going to jump to Proverbs chapter 8 for a few verses. Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 2. This is the parable of the wedding banquet. Uh, many of you will likely be familiar with it, but, but it goes as follows. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants to tell them which were bidden, Behold, I've prepared my dinner, and, and I've, my oxen and the fatlings are killed. Things are made ready, so, so come to the marriage. But they made light of it. And they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant of the servants were uh, treated spitefully, and they were slew, uh, they, uh, those that were invited slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. He sent forth his armies, destroyed those murders, burned up their city, and said to the servants, The wedding's ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. So go into the highways, as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So they did that, and they found both bad and good, and, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. He said, friend, how could you come here and not have a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So the king throws him out of the wedding. And verse 14 says, many are called, but few are chosen. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 says, does not Wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice. She stands in the top of high places, by the way, in the places of the paths. She cries at the gates, at the entry of the city, and at the coming in at the doors. This morning, I'm going to speak for a moment, and I'm going to preach on a cry in the streets. If you'd bow your heads with me in prayer, Lord, I pray that you would move in this place, Lord. You're a mighty God. I thank you for your presence that already is here. Jesus, I pray that you would anoint me, that you would speak through me, Lord. I pray for those here that you would give us hearts to receive your word. Lord, let this be a word that reaches the inner depths of our souls, Lord, that we would know you. Jesus, let this word be a word that you can use, oh God. I know that you are here, Lord, to do what only you can do. Jesus, we desire it. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me and use, do your will today. In Jesus' name, amen. Every day, we make transactions. Uh, we make uh, inter you know, exchanges. We, we take one thing, we get another. 
Uh, a transaction is, is one of those key words in business and at Chick-fil-A, it's one of the key words that we hear as those above us say, hey, have you checked this amount? Have you, are you watching these numbers? Transactions are especially common in business because they're, they're the, uh, every, everything comes down to a fundamental transaction for any business. For, for Facebook, it's the fundamental idea of, of them downloading the app and being on it and getting on it, and they get a pleasure out of it. For Chick-fil-A, it's the chicken. You know, every, we get the money and they get the, the food and the service. So every transaction is, is an exchange of one thing for another. Some more obvious transactions we, we readily recognize at, at the grocery store and at other things. We exchange money for goals and services like volleyball and pickleball and pizza. And, you know, we just exchange some energy to be the better team on the court. Uh, there's some more obvious transactions. Um, but, but there's, there's other transactions we make every day. It's the, you know, we, we kind of might exchange five minutes of sleep for having to rush a little bit more in the morning. So we hit the snooze button or, or we do some, some other things that just makes life a little easier in one area, but out of the, the nature of life, it, it'll cost something. Shortly put, a transaction is an exchange. In business, to transact means to carry out to completion. So a transaction has a beginning and an end. The, the Lord works in a, a sort of transaction, but, but he works more in a covenant than in a contract. In, in legal terms, the, a contract and a covenant differ in, in two key areas. One is that a contract is for an express amount of time. I'll do such and such for a year, and you will give me such and such payment, and these are the considerations, these are the promises we made, but after such and such time, it's no longer binding. A covenant does not have an ending. Like a marriage, it's, it's something that, that's engaged in until death do us part, until there, there's, no, there's no way out of it outside of the natures of life. The second difference between a contract and a covenant is that a contract is, it will both have considerations is what they call promises, something that is exchanged. Both have these exchanges, but with a contract, uh, you cannot enforce a contract that has no material exchange, no material consideration. You can promise me, you know, $1,000 a week as long as I prove to try my best. Not a legal term. <laughs> I could say I tried my best and do nothing. I just wasn't feeling it. That was the best I had. But a covenant doesn't operate in that same way. It, it operates in, in, on deeper principles. It operates based on trust and on faith. Even the legal definition marks a covenant as something that, that's built more on, on an interchange of people, on an interchange of their persons. So a transaction differs from the covenant in this sense. There's some historical transactions I, I decided to look more at. You know, some of the, the best and the, the worst deals in history. Actually, a couple of them are, are the same, just from different perspectives. The Louisiana Purchase uh, came out a total of about three cents an acre. Uh, for the U.S., that was great. It's part of the land we, we stand on now, and, and it was from Mississippi all the way over. Uh, and, and Napoleon lived to regret that. The Russia gave us Alaskan land for, for two cents for an acre. So again, we, we came out on top. Some of the worst deals in history involve 
the Treaty of Versailles, is, or uh, the treaty after World War I, I'll say, because it, the simple reasoning I saw was nobody benefited from that at the end of it. All parties involved ended up in another war. So that treaty was a failure. Another failed transaction in history was Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. An absolute catastrophe. One of the worst trade deals I think we could see in all of history. Everybody thought that, oh, this was going to be great. I know my fantasy team thought that this was going to be great. I picked Russell Wilson, and it wasn't until week two that I dropped Russell Wilson. It simply did not work. One of the worst transactions in history. The Broncos gave up several draft picks, several players for one low draft pick and one player that ended up performing as the worst offense in the league. And a terrible transaction. Again, the Louisiana Purchase, terrible from France's perspective. And the selling of the Alaskan land, that was terrible from Russia's perspective. So, so there's some key deals throughout history that... If anybody could go back, they would change it. Well, except for us, we, we quite appreciate it. Well, the Lord, the Lord is also calling for, for an exchange of things. But he doesn't call based on transaction, as I've already said, but, but he calls on, on, a, on a bit of an exchange nonetheless. He says, if this, then this. I remember as I, as I read several uh, of the epistles, and, and I, was, I was highlighting in my book um, throughout the years, I would notice just this key word of just if. If. It was, it was like it, everything, everything was great, and, and everything afterwards, you just, you wanted to read that part. But, but the key word in that, those verses was if. The key word for the parable of the wedding banquet is, is whether or not they'd come. It's, a, it's that they were chosen. See, many were called, but few were chosen. Many heard the voice of the call. Many heard a cry from the streets. Many heard a call to the depths. But only a few came. So the Lord operates on this, this, this extension of a promise, this extension of a covenant. And he's taken that first step. He took the first step way back on Calvary. He took the first step back in the manger. It says that he was slain from the foundation of the world. The Lord operates on this promise and on, on this, this call to a deeper place. And I, I believe that the Lord desires to take this church in Newark to a deeper place. I don't believe that the Lord has called to a place that has already attained. Paul said, I don't count myself to have attained, but I press on towards the mark of the high calling of God. We're, we're called to a, a deeper place, and it, it's very easy when, when we're in such an awesome building, such a, such a beautiful building, Brother Showstrand, such a, a great people and, and an exciting youth, and, and we get into worship, and, and it's great to, to get there, and it's, it's important, and it's, and it's good, but, but it's not good that we would sit there and say, this is enough. The Lord doesn't call to, to a certain place. He calls to a certain walk. The Lord doesn't call to a certain exchange, says, if you do this, I'll give you this, and we'll just leave it at that. But, but the Lord calls into covenant. The Lord calls into a walk. The Lord calls into something deeper than simply hearing it. The Lord extends promises, and we hear these promises, and we want these promises. Everybody wants protection. 
Everybody wants provision. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants purpose. That, that's not unique to the church. That's not unique to the saints that have been in for 50 years. Everybody desires joy and everybody desires strength and everybody wants the victory. Everybody has these desires and we spoke on Friday night a little bit about how there's the difference between winners and losers is not in their goal. Everybody wants to win the championship. But we're, we're invited to this promise. We're invited to partake of the things of God. And it's a call in the streets. It's not one that's reserved for a choice few. It's not one for those with the right last name. It's not one for those that have walked perfectly. It's, it's not like that, but, but it's an open invitation. It, Jesus simply said, all ye that are heavy with heavy burdens, if you're heavy laden, if you're tired, if you're hungry, if you desire something, come. Lay it at my feet. He called all. He didn't call for some. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. The voice in Proverbs, it's a cry from wisdom. Wisdom in, in Proverbs is simply stated as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, so the Lord calls from the gates and in the city and at the doors. And, and it's, it's particularly he calls from here because these are the busiest places in the cities. It's the gates. It's, it, people in, in those days would, would go to the gates. That's kind of a place of almost like having trials, almost like having discussions where, where the people of the town would get to, to discuss and talk. So, so wisdom stands in the open. The Lord doesn't hide himself in such a way that he cannot be found. The, Lord, the Bible does say the Lord hides himself for those that would seek him. But his voice, his voice cries out. His, he, he calls and he invites. He says, come find me. Isaiah 55 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And call upon his name. He desires us, and this, these promises are an extension of his love for us. It's not a, it's not a desire that, that anybody would suffer. The Lord doesn't wish storms on people for the sake of the storm. God doesn't desire simply to bring you through a storm to say, see, you did it. I mean, there's, there's benefit to this. There's purpose in the storms. There's purpose in trials. There's purpose in walks. There's purpose in hard times. There's purpose in these things. The Lord does not desire to put you under his thumb. He desires to elevate you. The Lord desires to bring you to his right hand. The Lord desires to walk with you. Sometimes we, we get in a, a mindset where the price is heavy. And, and yes, it can be. But, but sometimes we think that the price is the end purpose or the end goal of God's call. God doesn't call us to pay a price. God calls us to pay a price to know him, to walk with him. The Lord calls us to walk in purpose. The Lord calls us to walk in peace. The storm is the process, but don't lose sight of the promise. Then the Lord is faithful. The Lord doesn't, doesn't start something he doesn't finish. The Bible says he's the only wise God. And Jesus taught that a wise man, if he's going to build a house, he counts the cost first. He sees the end from the beginning. He, he, he calculates, he, he makes sure, he weighs his options before his action, lest he's begin to build and, and found that he is unable to. 
The fact that the Lord has begun something in each of us is proof that there is a plan for each of us. He doesn't simply call you to a single point. He doesn't call you to to a single step. and, And he doesn't say, well, you know what, I changed my mind. They, they walked away for, for a little too long, and then, you know what, it's just, I'm no longer into it. But the Lord doesn't work like that. The Lord calls us, the Lord desires something of us, because, because his, his heart is perfect towards us. It's, it's not simply an exchange of goods. It's not simply a, an exchange of, of, I do this, you do this. But, but it's, it's something deeper. He, he has our absolute best in mind. Sometimes I, I paint the, the love of God by painting it in contrast with the way the devil hates us. The devil doesn't simply want you to suffer. He doesn't simply want bad things to happen to you. In fact, the devil would give you everything in this world to keep you from what you need. He, he would give you riches. He'll give you comforts. He'll give you highs. He'll give you what you want. He doesn't care. He's not into the, to the little bits. He doesn't just want to inflict pain. He's, he's trying to call you into a pit. He's trying to, to bring you and to drag you into hell. He's not after a small wind. The daily winds, the devil likes them, but he wants your soul. The love of God works in just the contrast. He's not after just a single day. He's not after just a single right step. He's not after just, oh, well, you failed now, so that's over. But he wants your soul. He's in love with you. He desires your very soul. He he wants heaven for you. The Lord calls, and, and he doesn't simply call for the sake of the party. He doesn't call for the sake of the wedding, but he calls to come sit at my table, learn of me, follow me, walk with me, do what I do, say what I say, learn of me. The Lord calls us. He loves us. He's, he's faithful, and he desires to know us. John chapter 6 records the story of the 5,000 being fed. And when the, Lord, when the Lord knows that it's time to feed them, he asks his disciples to see, to test them. He says, well, what are we going to do? How much bread do we have? Philip said, we don't, it wouldn't matter if we had 200 days wages of bread. It's not sufficient. But one of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother says to him, there is a lad here which has five loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? See, a lot of times we can be in a, in a place with God and, and get to a point with God where it's like, well, I just don't have enough, where what I have simply wouldn't do it. And you'd be right. You are not enough to change this world on your own. You are not enough to get yourself the peace or the joy or the purpose. The victory is not of you. But the victory is in you. See, where where we were not enough, the Lord equips us. Where where we were unable, the Lord strengthens. Where we we were weak, where we were were little, the the Lord enlarges. The Lord can can do a lot with a little. 
See, it's, it's not about how much we have, but it's, it's really about how much we were able to let him use. It's not, it's not really about the amount I give, but, but it's about if I'm giving all of me. The Lord, the Lord I wonder if these 5,000 could have been fed if no one gave food. See, I know the Lord can make the food out of nowhere. I know the Lord can win the battle without fighting, without us fighting, right? The Lord could do it without an effort on our part. And yet, every single time in the Bible, the Lord used someone. It's an interesting question. Why did the Israelites have to fight if the victory was already given to them? Why, why, would, why did the, the lad have to give up his lunch? Why, why did that young boy have to, to give what he had? And he could have just said, here it is, 12 baskets full. But the Lord's called us to an exchange, to a, to a covenant. He doesn't simply want to do a great work for the sake of the great work. And everybody get up and say, wow, that was awesome, and go home. And they come back, and, and the Lord puts on his theater, and he, he does all these things, and, and he moves, and wow, that's great. The, Lord, the Lord's not in it for the theater of it. The Lord's not in it to make a show of it, but he, he's in it to, to draw us near. The Lord wants to do miracles. The Lord desires to deliver. The Lord's heart is towards us. He, he wants to perform. He wants to move. The Lord wants to have a, a move of God every Sunday service. The Lord wants to move every time we pray. The Lord desires to do this even when we're not praying. The Lord longs to be with us. The Lord longs to heal. The Lord longs to deliver. He's calling us into a covenant. The Lord, the Lord is here and he, he desires to do something great. He doesn't simply want to do, you know, to, to everybody look, but he says, I want to do something great for them. I want to bring them to me. I want, I want to show them depth. I want to bring them in. I, I, want, to, I want to show them something new. I want, I want them to be something new. We said Friday night, the, the process defines the results. Well, the Lord, we're to be made like him. From the very beginning, we were made in his image. And now we're, we're called to be like him, to love like him, to reach like he reached, to heal, to lay hands on the sick. We're called to pray like he prayed, to, to give how he gave. We're, we're called to know him and be like him. The Lord wants to know us. The Lord's not into the, a shallow end. The Lord will get you to step into a shallow end. Sure, he's okay with that for now. He's okay with that first step into, into the shallow end. But, but the Lord's not in it simply for the sake of the shallow end. But his voice continually cries. He says, is anybody listening? I want to know you. Continually knocking. Will anybody answer? Will anybody go to the depths with me? The Lord desires to do a great work. He wants to see the end time revival that we want. 
The Lord wants those hungry souls. He wants your family just the same. He longs for your friends and for your schools. He he hopes and he wishes and he's there. He wants to do a great and marvelous work. But he's asking, will anybody go with me? Is there there not a man that would, would stand before the giant? He says, does anybody have something else? What's in your hands? Will you give it to me? Do we hold back in our worship? Because we silently can't find it in ourselves to believe. Do we, do we hold back our problems because we, we can't simply quite grasp his love? Do, do we hold back our, our testimony for, for fear that it would not be powerful enough? Or it would not move enough? Or, or it really isn't that great? Or, or, you know, I'm still struggling at times. Do we hold back ourselves and our time? Do we hold back our efforts and our energy? Do we hold back our talents? Do we hold back from God on the idea that it's simply not enough? We've grown so accustomed to the word of fear and to, and to keeping our eyes on what's in our hands, saying, you know, it's just not enough. And we, we keep looking and we say, yeah, it's just, it's just not enough. My life, it's just not enough. But, but the Lord wants us. The Lord desires to, to be with us, to draw us in, to draw us near. The Lord says, I'll I'll take whatever you've got. Are we holding on to hope and keeping it from him? Placing it in ourselves or placing it in our own efforts? Do we we put our hope in in the things of this world? Do do we trust the world more than we trust God? Do do we trust the bank account more, more than we trust that he said, I'll pour out a blessing that there is not room enough to receive? Do we, do we have more faith in our own lives? Or, or do we have more faith in, in the lies of the enemy? Do we believe the enemy over, over God? Do we persuade man or, or do we persuade God? The, the Lord has given us a much more sure hope in this better testament. It's not simply for the one. It's not simply for the called or, or, or those that are special. But, but the, call, the veil tore. The calling, the calling is no longer for one. But, but it's an open cry. It says, come. Know me. Sometimes we get convinced that it's up to us. That you know what? When I'm better, when I'm bigger, when I'm stronger, when I'm more consistent, I'll... I'll be able to. But you will never be enough on your own two feet. You will never make the journey on your own. But the Lord equips, he empowers, and he anoints us. He says, go. I'm hungry too. I long for you. I, I long for something more. I, I long to be with you. I long, you, you. You want your family saved? I do too. You want to see your city changed? I do too. You want the miraculous? I, I do too. You, you, want, you want a move of God? I do too. You'd stand with me as I close. 
the Lord is calling to everyone in this room. The, the journey's not done until it's done. To everyone that is called, it's not, we haven't attained until we've attained. The Lord calls us deeper. He calls us for more. And he's crying out in the hunger just the same. He says, will you not know me? You want to know me? Oh, I want that too. If you could join me here in the front. As we pray and we seek his face. The, the Lord is calling. Oh, as deep calls to deep. Oh, from faith to faith. He's, says, you want some, I want it too. If you, what's in your hand? What are you willing to give? What, what else are you holding? I'll do the great work. I'll do the work, but I'm just asking for you. I'll turn this city upside down. I'll, I'll bring another great awakening to America. I, I can do it again. It'd be, it'd be so easy. Would you want it with me? Jesus, I want to know you. Lord, I want the deeper things of God. I don't want to hold back, Lord, caught up in myself. Lord, my faith is in you. Jesus, help me not to hold on to what I have, to hold on to what I am, to hold on to my ability. But Lord, I want to know you. Jesus, oh Lord, your call has gone forward. Lord, your voice is clear. Come. Jesus, that we would know you. Lord, that we would know you. Oh, give me a hunger that would move me to the deep things of God. I want to see you move, Jesus.